You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our dear Lord, thanks for today. Thank you for the promise of, of a new day, a new life, and uh, of a new year. And I pray, um, pray that you bless this time, God. I pray that you would help us to understand our kids better, to know you better, um, that we might walk in just the, the peace and the grace and the wisdom of um, the good Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, okay, so we are starting a class, and it is um, three, quish, three questions every child asks. And um, this is where this idea kind of came from. How I um, know a woman, and she is a... Um, I think the term would be, she's, she's a scholar, but she's a thought leader relative to ministry to kids, youth ministry, what's going on in the spiritual lives of others. And she wrote a book called Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, Making the Most of Your Conversations and Connections. And so we had her on the, the Rooted Parent podcast, and um, her name's Kara Powell. She's out at Fuller Seminary. And I think that um, one of the things that was really helpful about this is, hey, what's up, is like... You know, there's always what I call the question below the question. Um, you know, you're, it, 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 so let's just say in life, you know, you have incidents where a person comes to you and they're really, really upset about something. Um, they're really mad. They're fixated on something. And you know that it just really doesn't have anything to do with the presenting issue. You know, like... Um, Gosh, there's so many stories you could tell from ministry. Paula would know this as the wife of, of, uh, of a pastor. But I, you know, I can remember um, reading this book in seminary about pastoral, pastoral care, pastoral theology, and it told a story about how um, this family, this couple, they were apoplectic about something having to do with the piano in the church. They were just so mad, and they were raising Cain, and they were, you know, um, just like really acting out. And so the pastor, you know, knows that it's not really about the piano. And so, you know, he has them in, sits with them, listens to them, talks to them, and, you know, basically the piano was like given, the piano was um, someone in their family that was dear to them that had kind of died young, had played the piano. And so there was this attachment to the piano that it wasn't about the piano. It was about the person who had died. And so so that being said, you know, with our kids, there's so much of their behavior and so much of them um, being like kind of obsessive or compulsive about certain things. And when we look at the external behavior, like this is so dumb or this is so annoying or like, this, had, this lacks any kind of perspective, but really below the surface, there are these like fundamental existential questions that are really going on. So just, you know, kind of to start, let's start with one example. Um, you, let's say you have a, uh, a fifth grader and, um, what's up, man? Let's say you have a fifth grader and, uh, hey, we have a worksheet over on the desk over here. Oh, you got it. You're good. Straight up. Um, let's say you have a fifth grader. And your fifth grader is just knocking on your door about having TikTok. 
all right? Your fifth grader doesn't have a phone, but your fifth grader wants to look at TikTok on the internet, and they are just hammering and persistent. I want TikTok so bad. And um, by the way, TikTok, totally, in a, totally age inappropriate for a fifth grader. Um, some of it is like you don't have any control of the content they're going to go to, and there is some bad stuff on TikTok. But I've heard universally from high school kids that like a middle school kid cannot handle um, TikTok as a, as a distraction. It's, uh, it's a very, very addictive. And they, 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 they all say that it, they, look at it, they, they intend to look at it for five minutes, and then 45 minutes later they're like, oh my, where'd that time go? And that's true of adults too. But, um, but anyhow, but your fifth grader will not stop hammering you about having TikTok. Well, this is not really a question of TikTok. Um, this is really a question of at school, everybody's talking about what they heard or what they watched last night on TikTok. And that's kind of the conversation at the lunch table. So this is really a question of belonging more than it is a question of TikTok. And so as a, the, the book, this coming back to me now, the book um, is called Pastor as Minor Poet. Pastor as Minor Poet. And so like with prose, uh, prose is direct. Prose kind of tells you what is directly. But poetry is very indirect. And, um, and poetry requires, you know, reading between the lines and interpretation um, and so on and so forth. So in relating to people, but particularly relating to kids, uh, especially kids because they just don't have a whole lot of self-awareness, developmentally speaking. So much of, of the way you're relating to them is as a, you're reading poetry. Um, there's kind of interp interpreting what's actually going on below, you know, between the lines, below the surface. And, um, and so I found, this, um, I found this kind of topic of conversation um, about three big questions every child asks. But what is, so, what is profound about the book is the, that it kind of raises this question that there are fundamental existential questions that your child is wrestling with. They're not aware of that. Um, and it's helpful to kind of know like what they are. And so the three, um, the three fundamental questions that she, that she introduces are, the first one is of identity. Who am I? Second one is of belonging. Where do I fit? That's particularly pronounced when your child starts to hit like fourth, fifth, all the way to ninth grade. That's the big developmental question is where do I belong? They, that, that's what they want to be in the group. And that is, uh, that is central to what is going on in a child's heart as a preteen and an early adolescent. And then finally, purpose. What difference do I make? Like, what am I here for? What's, what's my meaning? And so, um, so the big point, I, the big point, you know, this is going to be like a six-week series. We're going to spend a couple weeks on, on identity, belonging, purpose. The big point I want to make is that you're, you were trying to read our children as poetry trying to understand what are the big questions. And, and, and when, as they come to us and they're annoying and compulsive and so on and so forth, or they're, they're distraught over things that don't seem to be that big of a deal. So that's the first thing is read them as poetry, understand there are bigger questions at play. And the second thing is like these questions are only answered in a satisfactory manner in the Lord, like in God and in Christ. And so the, um, you know, so with God, this is all a question of ontology. Got to use your big word.
to justify your parents paying all that money for you to major in Latin and English at Wake Forest. Um, but um, this is all, a, this is in some ways is a question of like human ontology. Ontology is like philosophy or study of being or the nature of things. And so we're looking at like what is the nature of man? Like what is, uh, what is the, the essence of the being of man? And, um, and so, so with that being said, like at the ontological level, God is relational and autonomous. Relational autonomous. Fun story, um, the person who taught me that, I was like a sophomore in college and a junior, was like, well, God is relational and autonomous, and, but we are relational and dependent. Okay, and I was, that sounded pretty profound back then. That person, her name is Tish Harrison Warren. <laughs> she now writes for the New York Times, and she's like a really well-known author. Um, but it was kind of funny. I was like, wow, she was 19, and uh, she taught me this <laughs> back then. A little precocious. But, um, but anyhow, God is relational and autonomous. So God is relational. He's a triune. Um, he lives for relationship and connection. And God is autonomous. Like, God does not have any needs. Uh, he does not have any needs. He's not dependent on anyone outside himself. Um, he's totally independent, and he can do what he wants. He is free. He is totally free. We, on the other hand, we are relational. We're made in God's image, and that way we're like God. But we are dependent. We are made to depend on the Lord. And so where things are kind of go awry for us as human beings is in dealing with these questions, these fundamental questions um, of identity, belonging, and purpose— is that we try to answer them for ourselves. We either try to provide or construct an identity for ourselves, provide or construct a sense of, of belonging, um, or manufacture a sense of purpose. Whereas that's actually something we have to receive from the Lord or that we already have received from the Lord. And so, um, and so what I want to look at today is Genesis 1 and 2. And I just want to look at how, at the fundamental level, at the fundamental level, um, where we see like a belonging purpose and identity just in our, in our fundamental imprint as people, um, where it is just the fabric of our humanity, and it's all given from the Lord. It all comes from God. Um, and so, so the, the hope of this series is that as you kind of as you're kind of relating to your child and helping them navigate different situations and different struggles, um, that we don't ju- we're not just tactical. You know, we're not just like trying to fix the behavior, but we're actually speaking to them at the, at the God level, at the spiritual level of what the, the, the actual need is. Um, so it's not just, let's figure out how you can get into the group. It's first off, let's start with the reality that you belong to God. You belong to God. You belong to us. You belong to the world. And so you, you, you start with a place of belonging so that, yeah, like I said, we're really actually treating the, the issue, not just symptoms. All right, so we're going to start in Genesis 1, and we're going to start later uh, in it, in, in verse 26. And so this is the sixth day of creation. This is when God creates man. And, um, you know, there have been five other days of creation. He's created the physical world. Um, and so, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and 
over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. All right, so first thing here is you have this formula over and over again. Then God said, let there be this, let there be that. And it was good. And so, you know, God speaks these things into existence. Um, so God is, God is the author of creation. And a couple of things to notice here is that, you know, when it says, so God created man in his own image. Um, well, sorry, going back. When, it, when, when the Lord says, let us make man, speaking in this plural voice, he's speaking out of the triune voice, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so he's speaking with this relational voice. And so then when he says that let us make man in our image and our likeness, um, he's essentially saying, you know, that he has made man for creation. He's speaking out of his relational voice. And, and so the core essence of what we're made for is relationship. And, 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 and belonging, connection. So, you know, this question of like belonging is also a question of connection. And so one thing to note here is that in terms of belonging, that first off, we belong in the physical world. That, you know, this is, this is not, this creation here is not isolated from, but connected to creation of everything else. You know, the land and the air and the fish and the birds and so on and so forth. So, like, we belong in the physical world. Like, we are meant to be here. Which, you know, does, this is part of the problem with living life in front of a screen. Um, li you know, living life in uh, video games and living life on Instagram, living life in pornography, is that, that those things tend to disconnect us from the actual, like, real, live, tangible, physical world. Um, from real live physical creation. So a part of our belonging is a physical belonging. And so like uh, our kids, our kids having, you know, going on hikes as a family, uh, doing yard work, sitting down face to face without distraction, like this actually um, lives into and, and kind of uh, affirms a part of our sense of physical belonging in the physical world. There's value in that. Second thing here is we can see we belong to God. Like God has made us in his image for relationship with him primarily. Uh, first question of the Heidelberg Catechism, but also the New City Catechism. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong to God. So we inherently have belonging in God. Um, and, uh, and then finally, you know, it says that God created man, male and female. Um, that points to how we're, we're made for relationship. Uh, we're, we're made for human connection, you know, in the complementary fashion. And, and so I will say that as probably, I mean, man, when it is, when it's middle school time, how many of y'all are in that, in that world, middle school world right now, or right on the cusp of it? Yeah. I mean, you guys can all, you guys can all like give the enthusiastic, energetic nod that this is on overdrive when your child is, uh, you know, an early adolescent. Um, this is part of why um, they are so fixated with Instagram um, is they want to see what everybody else is doing. And it's, it's a lot of it is really an exploration and a question of belonging. Like, am I, am I included? Am I left out? And, and it's because this question is, 
very, very intense and pronounced at this, at this phase in their life. So they have a deep need for belonging. And so we can see here, fundamentally, there's belonging in the physical world, there's belonging in God, and there's belonging just in human relationship. Uh, and that's a good, like, kind of foundational starting point um, because a lot of times what a, what a child will focus on, and this is human nature, we all get this, is this sense of, like, they focus on their deficit of belonging. Like, I'm not in the group... I, I, they didn't include me. I'm left out, so on and so forth. So they kind of are thinking about belonging from a position of deficiency rather than a starting point of no, actually like baseline before any group, any social groups were ever created, before the volleyball team or, or the football team or whatever was constructed, like you belong to God, you belong um, to our family, and you belong in, in the physical world. All right, so, so you can see these questions of belonging popping up there. All right, so next, going to verse 28, it says, um, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit you shall have them for food. And God said to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and every thing that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was, e- there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. All right, so in verse 28, when it says God blessed them, it's interesting, I, I don't know why it's kind of, kind of stood out to me and I looked it up. In this sense, this, this, this word for bless them has a real depth of meaning. Um, so it's a long entry in your, um, your Hebrew uh, dictionary or lexicon. And in um, and, and this sense here, like commentators say that it points to more towards God blessing them with a purpose, God blessing them with a function in the world. And so you can see that right after it says, and God bless them, uh, and he said to them that he starts to go into these imperatives that, that speak to their function. This little section here is what you call the creational mandate. Um, and so it kind of gives these categories for our purpose. So first, as it says, um, uh, it says procreate, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Um, and so, you know, this is at a, a very basic level, talking about get married, have children, and start families. Like that's a, that's a good and godly thing. Um, interesting, uh, in the ancient Near East, uh, other creation narratives of this time, um, it was unique that God blessed, blessed procreation, um, and, and you know, and, and the creation of life. Uh, and other narratives of this time that actually presented the gods as standing against um, creation, as 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 you know, being uh, authors of infertility and death and so on and so forth. Really interesting. But, um, but anyhow, so, but procreation isn't just like having babies. Um, there's also what we would call spiritual procreation, and that has to do with evangelism and discipleship. Um, and so I, I, know, I know someone who, um, they're in their 40s, they're not married, um, and uh, they're, they're just not really sure if that's going to happen for them. And he said, you know, I just, like, uh, the, the family, like, the children I'll have will be spiritual children. The, the children I'll have will be people who, you know, who perhaps I see come to faith in Christ and that mm-hmm. I nurture in their spiritual life. 
Um, so when we talk about being fruitful and multiply, yes, having kids, like, good, good thing. Go for it. Max it out. Good for my job security. No, just kidding. Um, uh, but no, it is. It is a good and godly thing. But that also speaks to the spiritual side of, of spiritual procreation. So, so that's so that's one part of the creational mandate. Second, um, steward creation it says subdue and have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the, of the heavens, and over living things. Like this speaks to like work, you know, like um, work and being a steward of the latent potential of creation. So things like um, having a job and uh, cooking <laughs> and um, gardening and uh, making stuff, like being creative, art. This is all part of, the, part of our purpose. This is part of what we're made for. And so um, I, I think that this, is, this can be really, really powerful for kids because kids, I know that I struggle with this, but I hear this frequently from kids that they're just like, why am I going to school? Like, what is the point of learning trigonometry? Or what is the point of learning algebra or whatever it may be? I'm going to be a lawyer. This isn't going to matter to me. Or, you know, anyone here, like, heard, heard that from your child? Of like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to go to school? So on and so forth. Like, they, 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 I really struggle with this. But I think this is very common. It's, and honestly, really can depress kids. Because really the question is like, what is, what is the purpose of this? Like, what is the meaning? And they're really struggling with whether their life has any sense of purpose or meaning. And so um, I think that, you know, wherever the Lord has placed a person, whether that is as a seventh grade student um, or as a second grade student or as a janitor at the school or as someone who works the cash register at McDonald's, like it has inherent purpose and it has inherent meaning in God's economy. Um, like just the, the way that we invest our days, the things that we do are a part of this aspect of the creational mandate of, of being, of subduing and having dominion over, um, uh, over the world. I think a lot of times we fall into this, this overly pragmatic sense of like, if I can't see like some kind of obvious concrete good come out of what I'm doing, then it doesn't have value. Like if what I'm doing isn't like serving a person or making them happy, if, you know, professionally, if, if, I'm, uh, if I'm not like a nurse or a doctor who's like, I can see that I'm healing a person or whatever, then, by, then you know, th- there's this strat- uh, stratification of some jobs have more, val- uh, you know, have more kingdom of God economy than others. The reality is, is because of the creational mandate, because of the, the um because of the call to subdue like all pretty much all activity such that's not i mean i'm not talking about like cooking meth or trafficking drugs but um but all like basically constructive things inherently have meaning and value in god's economy and so um and particularly that flows over to the relationships that you know that god blesses us with in those places and so I think a really, something you can do to help your child, no matter what age they are, is to kind of bless them to say like, hey, going to school and learning has value. Being in a classroom with other people has value. Being a student under a teacher that you, know, that you can really bless and honor them by just actually just doing your work and being respectful, 
Like that really blesses a teacher. I've been a teacher. I can tell you. When you have like, you know, 19 students who are like completely not paying attention to or engaged in anything you're doing, and there's that one kid who actually is taking notes, it actually really blesses you as a teacher. So all that being said, like, it doesn't all have to, the sense of purpose doesn't have to be deferred. Like, hey, look, you're studying biology, but one day you might be a doctor or, you know, you might do this. No, that, we don't need to defer that. We're not, our, the purpose doesn't come later. Like, there is an inherent purpose in playing lacrosse, being on the team, uh, you know, doing the, doing, uh, doing the leaves for mom and dad, washing the dishes, all that kind of stuff. It's part of what we're made for. And it doesn't have to be, you know, spectacular and impressive and have some obvious save the world good. Um, all right, keep on going on this. And so final part of this creational mandate is, um, is Sabbath. Uh, so it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Oh, sorry, one quick little timeout. Just to notice in this last part, when it says that, behold, I've given you every plant, um, every tree with its seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food. This speaks to how like we are made to depend. Like we're relationally dependent. God is relationally autonomous. Like the 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 we 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 must rely on the Lord. We must depend on the Lord for all things, but particularly for these answers to um, these answers to these fundamental existential questions. All right. So continuing on, finally. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so, you know, this is the establishment of the Sabbath. This is the third third piece of the creational mandate. We said, um, be fruitful, multiply, uh, have, you know, dominion and pers- work. And then the finally Sabbath. So that means both rest and worship. Uh, and so God rests because he wants to. This God is not resting because he's tired and he needs a break. He doesn't need a day off. He doesn't ever take a day off. Um, we do. <laughs> God, God Sabbaths to enjoy what he's done. Uh, that's his choice. We Sabbath to enjoy the life that God has given us, but we also Sabbath because we need it. Like we need a break. Um, and, uh, and so worship, corporate worship, church, resting, like that's also a part, part, of, our, part of our creation. So you can see here that, um, you can see here that uh, these first two questions of belonging and uh, purpose are answered like very, very clearly and abundantly in, in, in the creation account of, of the earth and of um, man and woman. And then finally, identity. We're talking about identity, you know, we're kind of talking about uh, who am I, but really more than that, it's do I have value? Do I have worth? Um, and, and, and am I unique? You know, am I unique? And so with all that being said, like we can see here that as God, um, first off, God, you know, names, like makes Adam and Eve and he knows them personally. And so that right there speaks, to, you know, Adam has a name, Eve has a name. And so they are, um, so they have a unique identity, and it comes from the Lord. Um, on top of that, um, uh, on top of that, they, you know, they they're made in the image of God. They're the pinnacle. Of, they are the pinnacle of creation. The, the sixth day, it's all building up to mankind. More attention and time is dedicated to the creation of man than any other part of creation. That's because 
uh, mankind as like the masterpiece of God's creation. And so that we're made in his image means that we're sacred. Um, that he breathes life into us is that it says that we're sacred. So, you know, in terms of the first thing, like in terms of identity, is just the image of God is the starting point for that to your, to your child. Like, because really these identity things, questions that they're going to wrestle with a lot about, and I mean, don't we, I mean, how many, how many identity experiments do we observe in the life of a young person? You know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, grow my hair a funky kind of way and I'm going to listen to a certain kind of music and I'm going to wear certain clothes, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's an attempt to create a sense of identity. Um, I want to be on a cheerleader so, so bad. And hey, that might be fun and good. And something going on there is probably like there is a, there is a value, there is a worth, there is a sense of uniqueness that they derive from being a cheerleader. There's a status around the school that they think gives you value. And so, you know, going back to this, um, going back to this, uh, this original thought that like we're dependent, like we cannot create identity. Like we cannot construct our own value. That is something that like is just inherent to a human being, every human being, um, that they're made in the image of God. And so therefore they, they're sacred and they have dignity. And so, um, and so with that being said, these are the, the theme I would say in these conversations to your child is that all these things that you're striving for, you already, you already have. Like let, let, let the starting point be like, you already have a place of belonging in God. You already, you already have a place of belonging in, um, in, you know, in our family, in the created world. You already have, like God's made you with a purpose. Like every, every day that you're alive, there is purpose, you know, that's, that's far bigger than you can see. And then you already have an identity. You're made in the image of God. You know, you're, you're sacred to the Lord. You have, God knows your name. God knows your name individually. He knows every, the number of, of hairs on your head. That's, that's literally in the Bible. And so, um, so these are all things that you don't have to earn. You don't have to go and, and, and try to strive for and win. Um, you cannot construct them yourself. Instead, we, we receive them from the Lord to begin with. And, and we then live out of the abundance of that. And this is just one of the things where you just, you'll just make these deposits. This is not something that any of us in this room have like really mastered, right? <laughs> we, all, we all, you know, have these crises of belonging and identity and purpose um, every day. And so we have to go back to what we've received from the Lord. All right, so last thing I want to say here... Um, Please, somebody remind me to edit the, the, the audio about the book, the book, not suggestion. Um, no, um, is, uh, is that this was so profound in this interview uh, was we asked, uh, Kara said, generally, it's not, you know, I don't want to say this, you know, 100%, but generally when your child is, I said, generally when your child is acting a certain way, one, one of these three questions is at play. And Kara said, well, actually, Cameron, I think that usually there are multiple questions at play at the same time. And, um, you know, so for example, your child, like, let's say your child really wants to be on a team. They really want to be a cheerleader on the basketball team or on the baseball team or the volleyball team or whatever it is. Well, there's probably all three of these questions are at play in terms of their intensity. And by the way, it's not, it's okay to want to do these things. You know, there's nothing, desire is a good thing. And there is probably a sense of purpose, like 
I like, I like to I like to play volleyball. Like, I want to be on the team, you know? And I feel like this is part of what God's made me for. There's also the sense of belonging. Like, being on a team, like, that gives you a, an anchor. Um, and then, finally, there's usually an identity. You know, of like, being a good athlete or being in the band, being on the, being uh, a smart student, whatever it may be, being on the debate team, there's usually they perceive an identity that comes with that. If I'm, if I'm on the debate team, people think I'm smart. This is all going on at the sub-rational level. None of this do they, are they actually explicitly verbally thinking, but that is what's going on at the heart level. Um, social media, for example, uh, there is a lot of, a lot of it has to do with belonging. Like, I want to know what's going on so I'm not left out, so I don't feel like a dummy at the lunch table. Um, I want to, you know, curate the perfect image on Instagram so that, you know, people will see me. You know, there's, there's identity there. Um, and, you know, I want people to like my pictures and comment, all that. That's a validation of identity. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not uh, monolithic. It's usually a little more complicated, and a lot of these things are at play. But that's um, that's really all I have. And um, if y'all want to, anybody have any questions or um, comments? I'm, I don't have a teenager. I don't have a middle schooler. I just have a fourth grader. So if anybody has any things that you you know would like to speak into this, I'd be welcome. Welcome out of tools. Yes, Maury. That's such an easy question. I can knock that out in like five seconds. <laughs> um, I actually, um, I actually have a, I actually have a um, technology pathway that's uh, that has guidelines and recommendations for all the different apps that I constructed with um, some other like youth pastors talking to teenagers and college students, some counselors that I can that I can give you on that. Um, I will say um, I'm working on a project in the Mountain Brook community. That all that that there's a project going on with All in Mountain Brook that's actually going to work on that in a, a little more robust way that can map that out for you. So uh, text me and I'll send it to you. Yeah, there, there's so you just there was so much like rich good stuff in what you just said there. One thing I would say is like it's helpful for us to think about these questions for ourselves. And how much of how much of these how many of these questions we're trying to answer through our family, you know, like our we don't want our kids to we don't want our kids to act out because that makes us look like a bad parent and that's a threat to my identity. Uh, you know, gosh, I really I, I want I want everybody to kind of get along and so on and so forth. I want this sense of belonging in my family. That's a good aspiration, but you know that that desire for belonging when all your kids do, you know, when you're on a family trip is argue in the back seat of the car. Not that I'm saying that from personal experience. Um, you know, that these are all kind of threats to that. Or, you know, you kind of see your whole purpose in life or, or purpose in life in your family. It, you know, sometimes in our sin, we can attach those needs to our family rather than, you know, attaching them to the Lord first and kind of coming into it there. Second thing, I, that's, that's just what I heard in that for myself. Not, I wasn't saying that you were saying that. Second thing I would say is, um, oh, so there's a, there's a real, I, I, I'm, no need to edit this. There is a, there's a book by Jen Hatmaker called Fierce. I'm, I want to say I, I am so vehemently opposed to this book on so many levels. It's a terrible book. It is, yeah, I'm sorry. If you loved it, we'll have coffee. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, am, like, like boost this on social media that I just said that. 
But one of the things, like, there's this kind of notion, there's this notion that, like, you've got to live your dreams and, like, shoot for the stars, and you only, this is literally like a quote, like, you only have this life, you only have one life, so what if you don't start that business? What if you don't do this? And it's like, hey, if it doesn't work for the poor person in the slum of India, then it's probably not biblically true, okay? Like, these are not the questions that 98% of the people in the world today are asking, okay? Like, what, how do we have this conversation about purpose with the, like, single mom in Calcutta who lives on $700 a year, okay? Like, start that business, live that dream. That's just not, no. Like, the Lord, like, and that is the real life situation of most people in the world, and God is the God of all people of all nations, okay? Like, the gospel is, is, uh, is hope for every person. And so, for that person who is just literally trying to survive every day, like, what they are doing day to day, like, has value in God's economy. And, um, and so, like, I know that especially in this phase for a lot of a lot of parents like life is just really mundane. There's not a ton of like self-actualization. It's like I do my job to pay the bills and I drive my kids around and I get spend 2 hours a day getting stains out of clothes and try to you know try to provide food for my children and that that's that's kind of like that's the reality. And a lot of times we can see that as like marginal, but in reality it's like at the core of what God made us for, make it your First Thessalonians. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life. So, um, so yeah, I think that's something that we probably. I was talking about this for our kids. But that's probably, as you said, something we all probably need to hear ourselves. I probably need to pray and let you go, um, so your kids can get fight in the backseat of the car. No, just kidding. <laughs> all right, all right, God, thank you, um, thank you, Lord, that you've uh, you've made us and you've given us these things out of your free grace and out of your pleasure, because you love us and you delight in us and. Um, Lord, uh, help, help uh, may these things be true for us, Lord. Help us to, to find the answers to these questions in you first and, and to live out of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.